ओम श्री साई राम वेलकम टू द क्वेश्चन एंड आंसर सेशन वी हैव रिसीव्ड ए कपल ऑफ क्वेश्चंस व्हिच आर क्वाइट इंटरेस्टिंग आई थैंक दोस दैट हैव सेंट दिस क्वेश्चंस विद अ रिक्वेस्ट टू ईच एंड एवरी वन ऑफ यू फॉलोइंग आवर क्वेश्चन आंसर सेशन to send your questions to in due course of time because this gives you an opportunity to come to know what bhagwan said on these topics you are most welcome thank you very much for your time the quest first question is this how to find peace within amidst negativity how to find peace within amidst negativity is the question it is a genuine question indeed it is a question that pertains to, pertains to each and every one of us we find all the environment and the community around may look like totally negative we feel so bad about this negativity all around then how to find peace within yes let me try to answer question basing on swami's literature i am glad that you said peace within very good so you asked how to find peace within it implies that you have known that peace is within all that around without out what you call outside there's no peace at all as swami puts it we find only pieces and not peace outside so you have very well said that peace within but your question is how to find it amidst negativity well i can put it this way so as swami gave an one example if you mind if you want to hang a photo of bhagwan if you want to put it hang it on the wall what would you do it you just put a nail there fix a nail there and then you can hang bhagwan's photo there now if the nail that you fix there is loose if it has not gone sufficiently deep enough what will happen the nail will fall photo will fall the photo may break also therefore the nail should be fixed deep enough into the wall take the hammer and hit it and fix it and to that nail you can hang any picture of any weight similarly if the peace within us is really established if it is deep enough strong enough the negativity outside cannot affect it cannot rob it 
cannot remove it. Therefore, what we have to do is that the peace within is established deep enough that it will not get disturbed by any outside negativity. Bhagavan gave another example. You go to a water tank or a pool, swimming pool, the water is still and pure. Good to see that. When you pelt a stone into the pond or into the water tank, what will happen? This, the, throw, the stone that you have thrown into the tank will produce ripples there, ripples. The tank or the pool is disturbed. In a similar way, the peace is a tank within us. And the stone that you throw is your, uh, is the negativity that you find outside. The stone that you throw is your desire, your possessiveness, your own emotions, your own feelings. When you throw that stone into the peace within, which is a water tank or a pool, it will it gets disturbed, producing ripples. So, what should we learn out of this example? The example is we should see that we should not take anything to heart. We should not take anything so uh, deep into our heart. No. If you take it, it will produce ripples as in a water tank. It will disturb the water tank. It will disturb your peace. Therefore, you have got to be careful in this regard. And three, the peace, if it is spiritual, will not be disturbed, cannot be disturbed. But we have an idea of the peace which is obtained from the worldly pleasures, from the worldly comforts, from the worldly conveniences. Simple example, if I take or if I have a sip of hot, hot coffee, I'll be very peaceful. Huh? And supposing if I take, if I eat hot, hot pickles, well, I'll be very peaceful. Many people all the world over know that I love hot coffee and also hot pickles. Well, uh, there will be peace inside. So the peace out of coffee or out of pickle is only from outside. The food I consume, the drink I have, worldly. So the peace out of worldly acquisitions it can be disturbed easily. If you don't have your cup of coffee at the appointed time, your peace is gone. Finish. If the menu is not acceptable to you, your peace is disturbed. In other words, peace that is disturbed is worldly. But the peace that is spiritual cannot be disturbed. How? Lord Buddha was attacked by many people. People laughed at him, called him by names. His peace was not disturbed. Adi Shankara, he was accused. Many people laughed at him. His peace was not disturbed. Shirdi Bhagwan, people wanted to attack him. Yes, 
gave him all sorts of trouble and his peace was not disturbed take our own bhagwan such a sai baba there is no ordeal there is no difficulty that he has not faced during his childhood you can have sachem sevam sundaram is autobiography volume 1 for reference he went through all these ordeals blame difficulties all that but his peace was not disturbed so let us learn that peace should be spiritual if it were to be so firm and deep enough and not to get disturbed by outside negativity or a or agitations whatsoever i think this would satisfy uh, your question sairam then i pass on to the next question 28 <coughs> the questioner says i don't want to project flaws or mistakes of others but when people around me are selfish and self-centered how genuine i am how kind i am i am i am not able to maintain my calm cool and composure because of this selfishness and self-interested people all around i developed a kind of repulsion i experienced that with such people facing these situations and sometimes i feel that i am unfit in this company in the society why that i also feel that i am unfit in this world by and large what to do a good question a lengthy question of course but its implications are very well known to each and every one of us the first statement the questioner made was that he doesn't want to project or point out mistakes or flaws of others very good you have half succeeded in your life as you observe you will come to know most of the people spend their time by pointing out the mistakes by criticizing others since you said that you don't want to do it yes you are successful that far to that extent and then you said when there are selfish people and uh, uh, self-centered people with self-interest i develop a kind of a repulsion i feel that i am unfit in the company in the world that's what and that's what you said the answer is simple bhagwan gave one example it seems one one man with some spiritual awareness was passing by the side of a lake he saw there in the lake a scorpion struggling for life this man went close to that scorpion in the lake and picked it up with his forefinger to save it from the struggle immediately scorpion that scorpion has bitten his finger then immediately he dropped it back into the or into waters and the scorpion started struggling then he picked it up again and in as its 
natural quality, the scorpion has bitten him again. He dropped it again in the water. This process, picking up, biting, dropping, has been going on for quite a number of times. A wise man happened to pass by that side. He asked this man, What nonsense you are doing? Don't you know the scorpion will bite you? Having been bitten, what did you do? You just dropped back into waters. That's good. Then why did you pick it again? What is this? Then this man said, Sir, you are right. What you say is quite logical. But I would humbly submit to you, Sir. The scorpion maintained its habit, kept up its quality of biting. Yes, it bites. The scorpion bites. It's its quality. It's its nature. It has not given up its nature. My nature is to help that anyone who is struggling. This scorpion is struggling for life there in the lake. So I wanted to help it. So when the scorpion has not given up its quality, its habit, why should I give up my habit? Why should I lose my quality of life? That's what he said. This is the example that Baba has given. Therefore, we should maintain, keep up our own quality of kindness, of compassion, of peace, calm and composure, unmindful of selfish people, self-centered people, people with all wicked ideas, cruelty, whatever may be. Well, they maintain their evil qualities, the qualities like jealousy and hatred. Yes, let them hold on to their qualities. Then who prevented me to maintain my own quality of goodness, of righteousness, of truth, peace and love? Why not? Therefore, by maintaining, by holding on to our own qualities, virtues of life, we don't have to react and feel so bad. Much worse, feel repulsive towards those people. Not necessary. On the other hand, we should not be influenced by anybody. My peace should not be in the hands of someone else. My joy should not be in the hands of someone else. No. I should not give the keys of my treasury to you. So that you can open my chest box anytime and take the uh, cash there. You don't give the, the keys of your chest or that almira to anybody. You don't. Likewise, I don't give the keys to my treasure of peace and happiness to anybody. Let not the, my keys be in your hands, no. Therefore, don't have any kind of repulsion or hatred toward these people, but hold on, hold on to your own quality, to your own virtues of life that solves the problem. Sai Ram. Question number 29. The question says, goodness is my weakness. I want to be firm, but I am not able to. Why? What should I do now? I know that no one would come to our rescue other than God. How to develop unconditional 
love for him is the other part of the question so let me answer the first part goodness is my weakness you said i think you are mistaken goodness is not a sign of weakness goodness should be your strength goodness is my strength truth is my strength love is my strength bliss is my strength you should not mistake them for weaknesses so be sure that your goodness is not a weakness by any standard at all then there is you said i want to be firm but i could not be meaning firmness does not mean that you should not continue to be good do you mean say good people are not firm do you means to say that only bad people are very firm no no firmness does not depend upon your goodness firmness depends upon your conviction your sincere feeling that you want to hold on that you want to express then that is what is called firmness so don't brand this firmness for anything that is bad anything that is evil you can be firm for your own values uncompromising you hope can hold on to your own principles therefore never say goodness is my weakness be 100% sure that goodness is your strength and then the other part of the question is is nobody will help me could ever come to my rescue other than god how to develop unconditional love that the question you have put good good is a good question i i'm glad that at least you have known that nobody would come to your help other than god very good there's no anchor there's no refuge to hold on to cling on other than god himself then how to develop unconditional devotion or unconditional love for god yes actually speaking love is unconditional the mother's love is unconditional your mother loves you and she has no conditions therefore pure love is unconditional but when conditions arise when conditions crop up raise their ugly hood in the field of love it means something wrong there some desire some possessiveness some attachment have become conditions for your pure love and these conditions adulterate or pollute that pure love when once you make your pure love totally free from these adulterants these pollutants the love will continue to be pristine pure so let me go to the root cause of the problem life has become conditioned because of my own 
choice. Life is not conditioned at all. You have conditioned yourself because of the certain restraints, because of certain limitations that you developed over a period of time. Take for example, nature. The wind blows unconditionally. The sun shines unconditionally. Rivers flow unconditionally. Trees bear fruits unconditionally. So when the whole nature is given to you at your disposal unconditionally, why have you put conditions? Maybe because of your selfishness, because of your desires, because of your possessive instinct, because of ego. These are the things that will make your life conditioned. With this conditioned life, you can never develop unconditional love for God. So make yourself free so that you can develop unconditional love for God. In other words, love Him continuously, throughout, incessantly. Not necessarily when you confront a problem. Not necessarily in times of need. No, 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 no. Need or greed are immaterial. Love Him continuously. Pray Him. Pray to Him as long as you can. As much as you can. Unconditionally. Now, if you find the reasons for these conditions, well, we feel so bad for putting those conditions. Because I want my son to get a visa, a condition, so my love for God should not be disturbed. Because I want my daughter to get married without a dowry, a condition, I cannot afford to lose my love for God. So the conditions are very, very silly. We can't even feel proud of declaring them openly. So develop unconditional love. The next question, thank you. The next question. How to identify that I am Atma? Is there any shortcut? I am identified with my body and desires. How to get rid of them? How to be free from body identification? A very question, good question indeed. How to identify that I am Atma? Yes, a good question. This is possible by following the theory of negation or theory of denial. As Ramana Maharshi or Bhagavan Sri Satcha Sai Baba puts it this way. Put a question to yourself. Am I the body? No. Why not? If I am the body, the body is going on changing. In childhood, then uh, in my youth, and then later, after retirement, body goes on changing. Anything that undergoes change cannot be you. Impossible. And therefore, first know that you are not the body. Then question yourself, am I the mind? No, because mind is never steady. The mind entertains chain of thoughts, countless number of thoughts during a day. Faster than the wind, faster than the light that travels fastest in this universe. Faster than the light, the thoughts run across the firmament 
of our mind. And therefore, let us understand that I am not the mind because it goes on changing, it goes on wavering. I am not the intellect either. Why? Because it decides in my favor only. It supports my decision only. Individual discrimination. Therefore, I am not intellect. Then who am I? Then you will get the answer. The one who is the source of all energy that makes your mind think, that makes you talk, that makes you act. That energy that gives you life, continue to live, that main source is Atma. Yes, out of that main source, different organs receive energy and function. It is called Atmic power or power of the self. Simple example, there is main meter, main meter, electricity main meter. Out of that meter, the electricity flows through the wires and gets into all the fans, frigidaires, uh, washing machine, all the electronic gadgets that you have. The source is the main meter. If you stop the meter, none of these machines work. So long the machine is on, all these, when the meter is on, all the machines are functional. When the main meter is off, everything would come to a close. Similarly, that main meter is our Atma, Atmic power, electricity of Atma that flows into entire body, flows into the mind and intellect, making them function. So, I am not the body, I am not the mind, I am not the intellect, then I am the Atma. Finally, you arrive at that conclusion. I am speaking. Actually, how am I able to speak? It is Atma that makes me speak. Not simply my mouth, not simply my tongue. How, uh, how am I seeing? Because of Atmic power, Atmic strength. Without that, I cannot see. So, you cannot hear. It is Atmic power that is the main source that you can understand. There are many blind people with eyes, but they cannot see. There are many deaf people with ears, they cannot hear. Meaning, Atmic power is not functional at that point. Therefore, they become blind or deaf or dumb, as the case may be. They may be having all the sense organs, yet they are not functional. Something like the filament or the fuse that has gone will not permit the electricity to flow. I think I am clear. By this exercise of self-enquiry, Ratma Vimarsya, you can get out of body identification easily. Sairam. Now, next question. All roads lead to love. How can we reach that point of love? All religions lead to love. How can I reach that point is your question. How do you describe the journey towards that point of love? Wow. Good. Here let me explain. Love is within you. 
you are love god is love love is god you are love love is in abundance within you it is the love that flows out by way of friendship by way of attachment by way of respect by way of reverence towards people by way of romance towards the opposite gender it is same love that flows out in different channels in different ways it finds its expression in different styles and ways so you are the love you don't need to reach love reaching comes when it is distant from you how to reach railway station yes that's 6 kilometers from here you have to travel the distance it takes about 15 minutes okay so to reach a place which is away from you two things are necessary distance and the time but when you are the love where is the distance how much time you need to reach to yourself so it is beyond time and space and then you said all religions all roads lead to love no every religion is is full of love loveliness every religion yes they don't reach love no 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 they are full of love themselves they are instruments of love that's all let us understand it therefore they don't lead to because they themselves are the personification or metaphorical expression of love itself and then the question is said how do you describe journey towards that point of love it's not a journey at all because you are the love i said Suppose you say, "Sir, how to reach railway station?" I'll tell him. You can have auto rickshaw, or you can have hire a taxi and go there because station is elsewhere. But to reach yourself, what vehicle you need, what transport you need, how long it will it take to reach to make you reach to yourself? It takes no time because there is no. distance because you are the that atma you are the love there is no journey at all then your question may arise then what should i do what you should do is to be aware of this fact what is that awareness that you are love and that you are god that you don't need any distance to travel that you don't require any time to reach no realize understand be aware awake alert and then you will know that you are love there no journey necessary thank you sairam the next question is this well swami wants every one of us to feel that i am i am god that i am divine divyatma swarupulara embodiments of of the divine love embodiments of the divine so if everyone starts feeling that i am god the questioner says that feeling that i am god is not 
a kind of ego is it not ego that makes you declare that i am god yes 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 very good question well let me explain by citing swami's discourse when there is a light there is no darkness when there is darkness means there is no light it means light and dark do not exist together the very light will make the darkness get out dispel therefore the now at this also we can put it absence of light is darkness and this darkness is removed by light alone now ego and divinity do not go together god and ego will never go together oil and water will never mix impossible like that ego and god will never go together then what is ego ego is your mind when once the your ego your mind is dropped you will know that you are no other person than god yourself meaning in front of the mirror there is a curtain so when you remove the curtain what will happen you will see your own reflection there in the mirror so this curtain is what you call ego the mind when one the mind or ego is dropped or removed you can see yourself that you are divine therefore never say that it is a kind of ego that makes you say that i am god no no you don't need to say you are god whether you whether you say or not it's a kind of ego so long you feel that there is this tinge of ego trace of ego you will never be able to so say that i am god you will never able to know the meaning of this statement also therefore the ego should go totally then only we will understand that each one of us is an embodiment of the divine thank you then comes the last question abhimanamu abhimanamu means attachment atma abhimanamu attachment to the self here the man asks me what is the difference between abhimanamu attachment atmabhimanamu attachment to the self very good question abhimanamu attachment to the external world external objects outer people attachment to all of things your properties all your positions all your community these all attachment to the outer influences this is called attachment i am attached to my family i am attached to my country i am attached to my property i am attached to my bank account this is all outer or external this is attachment towards the external objects individuals or places or ideologies or anything of your taste and choice but atma abhimana meaning 
attachment to the self is inner interior unless you enjoy that inner self then once you know that you are the self that consciousness you develop a kind of attachment to the self because attachment to the world is misery attachment to the bliss attachment to the self is bliss that's why most of the spiritual people in the midst of the problems they're still happy they keep smiling they have all the problems why are they happy how are they smiling it's because they are attached to the inner self atma but those who are attached to the world the outer things when they are missing they feel miserable sorrowful grief stricken therefore abhimanamu attachment is towards the outer objects atmabhimanamu is attachment to the inner self with this let us conclude this question and answer session with a hope and request to everyone of you to send questions like this which will be a kind of satsang a kind of a dialogue between you and me here thank you sai ram